Welcome to the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Your host here, E. Vandervliet, with his trusted canine sidekick, Woody, where we bring you the news raw, unfiltered, and with no chaser. Woody, you ready for this? Ready for another episode of the PBO Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor? Woof. Well, he's ready, folks. Let's get into this. All right, we got a lot to talk about today on this segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. So let's get right into it. Is there election fraud? Well, of course there is. I mean, anybody who says there's not election fraud is either wishful thinking or just lying to you. So here's a piece from um, Just the News, John Solomon's Just the News. A dozen compelling allegations of voting irregularities in a 2020 election. So if you want to tell me there's no election fraud right now, you, you're just not telling me the truth or you're not paying attention. There, there is ample evidence that there are election fraud. Now, if you want to call it election irregularities, go right ahead. Call it election irregularities. But John Solomon puts together just a dozen, just a dozen, and there are way more than this. And then I'm going to get into uh, the Georgia strategy today on the show, too, and some other state strategies of what's going on with the Trump team and how they are chasing uh, this election to December 14th. Because remember, we only have 20 days left. 20 days until the Electoral College votes. And this is the countdown. So how? How is the Trump campaign going to get there? How are they going to either get to 270 or knock a bunch of electoral votes out of Biden to where no candidate can achieve 270? It goes into the House. That's what we're going to talk about. And it's going to happen because there has been massive voter irregularities throughout the country. Here's a dozen examples, a dozen examples, sorry, from John Solomon's piece. And I'm just going to highlight these. I'm not going to get dig into the article. It'll be on my show notes at the pblpodcast.com. One is city of Detroit worker swears she witnessed thousands of ballots being falsified. She, uh, sworn, she's, she got a sworn statement today. Career civil servant Jesse Jacob of Detroit provided a most sweeping claim of election fraud. Glad he used the word fraud. She stated an affidavit she personally witnessed and in some cases was instructed to backdate thousands of absentee ballots the day after the election to make them appear legal, even though they were not in the qualified voter file and had not arrived by the deadline. I estimate that this was done to thousands of ballots, her sworn statement says. Now, on the audio of this, you're patriots. You're listening. Whoever, the, my, my listeners on the audio, patriots. On the YouTube, there are some of you leftists that sneak in here and you watch this because you're compelled, you know, compelled to tell me what an idiot I am, how racist I am. And you're going to say that there's no evidence of voter fraud. And I'm going to say to you, I'm going to say to you right now, so you don't send me one of those silly comments, an affidavit is evidence. <laughs> in a court of law, it's an evidence. Now, it, it doesn't mean it'll bear fruit at the outcome in a way they want it to be, but it's evidence. You cannot deny that simple fact. An affidavit in a court of law is actually evidence. This person went on record, Jesse Jacob. So we have evidence of voter fraud right here. So you can't say there's no evidence of voter fraud. I wish the left would stop with that nonsense. All right, going, moving on, other examples. Nearly three quarters of Detroit's precincts had missed mismatched voting totals. Wayne County Board of Canvassing member William Hartman, a Republican, says in a sworn declaration that Michigan's largest county certified results knowing there were massive discrepancies between the approved voter files and the ballots cast and counted in Detroit. There you go. 
There, <laughs> you, if there are mismatched voting totals, you got a problem. Again, it goes back to where with Dominion, again, my opinion, my, my, my conspiracy theory is they had to give enough fake ballots to match the totals in the systems. And if it didn't work, well, you got to do a full, full audit on this. So moving on, unfolded pristine mail-in ballots flagged in Georgia. At least nine observers who watched an audit last week in Georgia, razor-thin election, have signed affidavits. Again, evidence left. It's evidence swearing they saw suspicious mail-in ballots almost uniformly cast for Biden. Imagine that. The ballots were in pristine condition. It had no creases on them, meaning the ballots had not been mailed in envelopes as, wait for this word, leftists, it's very important, as required according to the affidavits you know the affidavits that evidence <laughs> so i mean if you got that happening uh hello they didn't come in the mail and if they didn't come in the mail they're invalid so guess what happens oh they get tossed now we're going to get into georgia here real quick there's an interesting twist in georgia that i think is uh, to me not only is it fascinating in what this is going to achieve as far as uh, possibly potentially overturning Georgia, but also <laughs> it's going to have some an impact on all those uh, Hollywood halfwits and such that believe they're going to come to Georgia and change our vote in the Senate. They're not. They're not going to be able to do that. So, all right, here's another one. Thousands of ballots went uncounted initially in Georgia, believe belatedly discovered during an audit now how is that possible how you know, there were thousands there were i heard that or i read they found these ballots ballots on a thumb drive <laughs> yeah but we saw the dominion guy in that disastrous interview with eric sean of fox news whose ratings are in decline catastrophically uh is that a real word uh, state that oh, there's no way to do a thumb drive, but we saw that. Anyway, uh, election officials divulged last week that thousands of uncounted ballots were discovered in Georgia, most favoring Trump during a post-election audit. They include 2,600 uncounted ballots in Floyd County, 2,755 ballots in Fayette County that were not included in the original count, and 508 ballots in Walton County. Now, here's another, another example of the 12. Again, I didn't want to get into weeds in each example, but that's how it goes. Large numbers of Pennsylvania voters say their absentee votes weren't counted or someone else requested their mail-in ballot. Now, Just the News interviewed numerous Pennsylvania voters who say either their mail-in ballots were never counted or that someone else had appeared to request and obtain their mail-in ballots. A data scientists then projected from sampling that the problems were widespread. Again, sworn declaration. There's affidavits left. I don't know if you know this. That's evidence. Uh, and then another one. Social worker charged in Texas with submitting voter registration application for nursing home residents. Imagine that. Huh. Kelly Reagan Bruner, a social worker in the Mexia, Mexia State Support Living Center in Texas, was charged with submitting voter registration applications for dozens of facility residents. Absent, signature, absent signatures are effective consent, including some residents who are not even eligible. Imagine that. I believe they call that, wait for it, voter fraud. And here's another one. Computer issue in Oakland County, Michigan, blamed as a GOP incumbent belatedly declared winner after first being told he lost. So while it hadn't appeared that incumbent Republican Adam uh, Koshendurfer 
had narrowly lost an Oklahoma County Commission election contest. It turned out that he'd actually won. A computer issue in Rochester Hills caused them to send us results for seven precincts as both precinct votes and absentee ballots. Huh, imagine that. Interesting. And then this in Michigan as well. Atrium County, Michigan, reversed election results after error found. This is the one I've been talking about for a while, and I think it's a catalyst for all of this, is uh, due to an issue in Atrium County, Michigan. It appeared that Biden had outpolled Trump according to the unofficial vote count, but it ultimately turned out that the president had actually beaten Biden in the county. Biden in the county. According to a November statement from Michigan Secretary of State, Democrat Jocelyn Benson, user error was to blame for the incorrect unofficial total. Uh, the error in reporting unofficial results in Atrium County, Michigan, was a result of an er user error that was quickly identified and corrected. Uh, did not affect the way ballots were actually tabulated and would have been identified as a county canvas before official results were reported, even if it had not been identified early, according to the statement. This is a statement from uh, the Secretary of State of Michigan, but here's what happened there is the user error was that someone didn't upgrade the software. And since they didn't upgrade the software, somehow all those votes for Trump went to Biden. Ooh, imagine that. Funny that, isn't it? They all went to Biden. I mean, I mean, come on. Who doesn't write software like that? You know, write software, you know, you write software that if you don't upgrade it, it's going to switch the candidates. That's some great software written. And how was it caught? Well, it actually was sent up to the Secretary of State's office. Contrary to what the left wants you to believe in the media, that it was caught right away. It was not. It was caught when it was sent up and some clerk said, hey, this looks suspicious because there's so many here for Biden. When this is a red county, what's up? This, I believe, was a catalyst to all of it because this has happened very early on. Uh, and then another one. Numerous Republican poll observers in multiple states say they were improperly ejected. And then... Uh, we also have voter voter drive in Nevada targeting Native Native Americans offered gifts as voting incentives. And this one's funny. I, I mentioned this in a previous show. Uh, Biden people actually took pictures of them doing this. So they gave people gas cards. They took pictures and then posted it on their Facebook page. Completely illegal. And they put the evidence right on their Facebook page. Can you say, no, I'm nuts. I thought you could. I thought you could. And here's another one. Los Angeles prosecutors uncover scheme in which thousands of fraudulent ballots cast. Two men were charged last week with 41 counts for allegedly submitting thousands of fraudulent voter registration applications on behalf of homeless people, according to the Los Angeles County District Attorney Office. Those are 12 examples of voter irregularities, quote unquote. I did the air quote thing. So obviously there's voter fraud. Now let's go to Sidney Powell. Um, she is alleging that Dominion Systems uh, has an algorithm written where it literally switch votes. Uh, you know, I think she said for one every one uh, Trump vote, Biden got 35 or something like that. And it's different in different counties. So that's her allegation. And she's also making the allegation that Brian Kemp, governor of Georgia, well, may have been paid off. That's a pretty serious allegation. So you can kind of see now why. The Trump team and Sidney Powell have gone in different directions because the Trump team, as I've mentioned, is chasing December 14th, 20 days, people, 20 days. They're chasing what happens in the Constitution of the United States. They're chasing the rule of law, where Sidney Powell is chasing fraud and corruption. And when she made that claim over the weekend, I was like, whoa. I mean, I, I live in the state of Georgia. I voted for Brian Kemp. And what the left now are, are 
trying to say that, wait a minute, if he's corrupt and doing this, then, oh, maybe Stacey Abrams is the governor. Now, I'm not going to get into that, but it's what some people are saying. But here's an article I found interesting out of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The date on this is July 30th, 2019. That date, by the way, is going to upset a lot on the left. I'll explain. Georgia officials awarded a contract for 30,000 new voting machines to Dominion Voting on Monday, this is back then, July 30th, 2019, uh, scrapping the state's 17-year electronic voting equipment and replacing it with touchscreens that print out paper ballots. The $107 million contract will switch Georgia from its longtime elections company, election systems and software, following complaints about malfunctioning machines and unverifiable results during the November midterm elections. And again, this was the midterm elections where Brian Kemp was elected to the governor of the state, the great state, the 13th state in the colonies, the original 13 colonies of Georgia. Uh, the announcement is a defining moment, moment for Georgia's elections, uh, reintroducing paper ballots to election day voting for the first time since the state converted to the electronic ballots in 20, 2002, following a controversial presidential election between Bush and Gore. So let me explain in the state of Georgia how it works with these machines. Uh, and it may be like that in your state as well, too. Not sure. And then I'm going to show you the connection here. So uh, the connection where Sidney Powell possibly going with Brian Kemp. In the way it works, and this is my experience, so it's purely anecdotal. I walk into my voting place. Nobody was there, by the way, because I voted on Election Day. <laughs> I wasn't one of those millions upon millions upon billions, millions that did either vote early or send in a ballot. I personally vote on election day. I walk in, there's nobody there except the poll workers, about six, seven poll workers, my wife and my son and I, that's it. Uh, my son's too young to vote unless he was a Democrat. He's not, so he didn't vote. Anyway, so I go in, show my ID, <coughs> excuse me, show my ID and uh, do a little pen uh, signature on a uh, tablet-type device. The signature was horrible. I looked at her, uh, the poll worker. I looked at it. I go, uh, I can do it again. She goes, no, it'll be fine after she looked at my ID. It wasn't fine, by the way. It didn't match at all. Anyway, so I get my little card, my electronic card. I walk over to the touchscreen voting machine. I put in my card. I click, 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 click who I'm voting on. I click done and out comes a paper ballot and I get my card again. And then my paper ballot has all the people on there that I'm voting for. And then I go over to another machine and I put my card in there. I slip in the paper ballot and it takes the paper ballot. It's gone. I don't have it anymore. It doesn't go to a person. Not, again, if you remember that interview I played for you of Fox News, Eric Sean, with the lawyer from Dominion, he said that the paper ballot's given to an uh, election person for security. It's not. It goes into a machine. I don't know where it goes. It's just gone into a machine. I get my card. I take it to the poll worker. I hand her my card. She gives me my Georgia voter sticker, that one right there, if you can see it. And then I'm on my way. I just voted. Now, when I got my paper ballot, I looked at it to make sure that it said the right people. It did. But when I put it in the machine, I don't know where it went. I have no idea. So, so yeah, we got, a, we got a paper ballot, but it's still electronic. Everything is done electronically. I don't know what happens to it. Once it goes in the machine, I guess it's supposed to uh, tabulate it by looking at it. It can easily be overrided there still could be election fraud. That does not mean that that process is foolproof. It's not. 
we've already we've already seen that. I played a um, a video a couple of days ago, maybe it was some of the last week sometime, of a guy who hacked voting machines and talked about this specific issue. And he hacked a machine that for a test run he did in of all places, Michigan. But anyway, back to this article from the AJC, which is uh, printed in July, uh, 2019. So before the contract was awarded, some voters speculated that the state would continue doing business with its current elections company, ES&S, which has close ties to Governor Brian Kemp's administration. Dominion has connections as well. Let me repeat that. Dominion has connections as well. One of Dominion's lobbyists, Jared Thomas, has worked on Kemp's political campaign since he first won a state Senate seat in 2002. Uh, he also worked previously for Kemp in the Secretary of State's office. Another Dominion lobbyist, Barry Haran, was vice president of Diebold Election Systems, the company that originally sold Georgia its electronic voting machines in 2002. So there's your connection. And what Sidney Powell has alleged I, I, is that Kemp may be on the take. And again, that's an allegation that I'm not saying, but there's a connection. And I didn't know of this connection until I went down a rabbit hole looking for stuff. And again, I found this AJC article of July 30th, 2019. Now, here's where that date doesn't help you leftists who think Stacey Abrams is the governor of Georgia. Uh, because these machines weren't put in place until the 2020 election. They had nothing to do with the 2018 election where Kemp was elected governor. So, you know, buddy, but there was a lot of allegations of voter irregularities in the race. And they were, I didn't see anything that was substantial because what they were saying, they being the left, the Democrats, was that uh, Brian Kemp was suppressing voters by taking people off the voter rolls, which everything that I read and saw at the time was perfectly legal uh, because voter rolls are automatically taken off at a certain amount of time. And this is legislation passed for by Democrats. And that it was also suppressing votes by not allowing people to actually vote when on all county precinct after precinct that had issues they were all democrat precincts so but this is you know you've got a direct connection with kemp and dominion and if dominion is corrupt that's maybe where all this is going i don't know i don't know again i go back to what trump's team rudy giuliani and his team are doing they're chasing the constitution they're, they're, they're working on the processes of the Constitution of the United States of America, law, a law that is written, and it cannot be unwritten unless there is an amendment to the Constitution. It will not happen. Amendments cannot happen that quick. So we know what the law is right now, and they're chasing December 14th, 20 days, 20 days. Sidney Powell is chasing the potential corruption and fraud at Dominion Systems. Fascinating stuff. We're going to see more. But Sidney Powell needs to come up with something soon. And I think that goes to what Horowitz was saying, too, that we need to see it. And a piece that I'm going to go over that uh, Rush Limbaugh wrote recently as well. But before I get into that, let's, let's, go, uh, let's talk about um, what's going on with the election real quick. Uh, 
Michigan has officially certified the Biden victory. So uh, Michigan's top election board on Monday certified Joe Biden's win in the state's presidential vote. So this was Monday being yesterday as I'm recording this, dealing President Trump another blow in his effort to block Democrat national victory. Now this came from, uh, I got this story, Citizens Free Press, and he said just from the wires minutes ago and from the wires, the uh, it was from the Hill is where that came from. And the Hill is a little, they lean left. So that's why they throw in that Donald Trump yet another blow in his efforts to block the Democrat national victory. No, it just means now it's going to the courts. That's now that it's certified. And that's a key to a lot of this is once elections are certified, they have more flexibility in taking it to the courts. So tr- Michigan is one of those states. They've got a lot of issues in Michigan where fro- votes uh, are, are disenfranchised or votes were not equal. Remember the equal vote clause in the constitution is what they're chasing. That's Michigan. They just certified. It's important to know. Now it moves on to the next phase. Pennsylvania has already kind of gone there. Pennsylvania Supreme Court shuts down Trump campaign attempt to throw out mail-in ballots. This is from Forbes. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled Monday that the Philadelphia and Allegheny counties must count thousands of mail-in ballots that had been challenged due to minor errors, delivering a blow to the Trump campaign and GOP challengers who had contested the ballots and reversing one of the GOP's only post-election legal victories through the ruling. though the ruling would not impact the outcome of the presidential election. Okay, so now this is important because the Pennsylvania Supreme Court shutting them down means it's going to the Supreme Court. And you notice it says here, uh, Allegheny counties must count thousands of mail-in ballots that had been challenged due to minor errors. They're going to go after those minor errors. Now, what they're stating is, you know, some ballots were counted differently than other ballots. That's what Rudy Giuliani mentioned in the piece I talked about previously. So this now goes to the Supreme Court, and guess which Supreme Court justice is overseeing Pennsylvania? Uh, That would be Sam Alito. So Sam Alito, staunch constitutionalist, if he sees these irregularities, he's not going to let stand that you can vote in this county one way and in this county another way. This is actually not a setback to the Trump campaign, and here's why. It needed to be done quickly because 20 days, people, 20 days. So if it's done quickly, it gets to the Supreme Court that much quicker before those 20 days. So even though this election is certified, and even though Michigan is certified, and even though Georgia is certified, if this can go to the Supreme Court before December 14th, they can be recertified if the court says you have to do things differently. And they already got all the votes counted. So let's say, I'll use Michigan, uh, or I'm sorry, Pennsylvania as an example. Um, uh, let's see there. I think it was like, I forget how many thousands of votes, but here's an example. Uh, the Pennsylvania Supreme court upheld 8,329 ballots in Philadelphia County that the Trump campaign had sought to disqualify over minor errors, like a voter, not including their address or the date on the ballots outer envelope, affirming a lower court's ruling that had also upheld the ballot. So if we take that eight, that one County with 8,329 votes, we have eight, our ballots. We have 8,329 ballots already identified with minor errors, whatever those minor errors are, like they said, not including the address. So it goes to the Supreme Court, and if Alito says no, all votes, all votes, all ballots have to be equal. So if you have these minor errors, it invalidates those. So they already have identified 8,329. So the Trump campaign has already identified how many votes they need to turn over. And I believe in uh, Pennsylvania was like 50, 
8,000 or some such votes. So that's just one county, 8,329. So if Alito throws out rules like in that county that those minor errors invalidate the votes, it does so in the other counties as well. That's where the Trump strategy is. Is it risky? No, it's not risky. It's just part of the process. We are not in a constitutional crisis. We are in a constitutional process. And here also mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania were rejected for technical errors as suspiciously low at a suspiciously low rate in some key counties. So this is an article from Red State. Uh, the article goes on that I've long suspected that this is the data that the Democrats wanted to keep buried long enough for some of the early lawsuits filed in Pennsylvania to burn themselves out over a lack of available evidence. That is often a problem with election fraud claims. Most slash all the evidence needed to prove the claim rests in the hands of the state officials who you are suing. Their refusal to provide data and evidence leads to the formation of conclusions that the allegations of fraud are untrue when the actual problem is that the state is keeping the evidence of fraud under wraps to protect the outcome. Uh, and what this article goes on to piece, and again, it goes on to say, and again, it'll be in the show notes, is that, again, it uses that one county, Philadelphia County, those 8,329 ballots with, with minor errors were not thrown out. And it went all the way to the Philadelphia Supreme Court. And now it's going to go to the United States Supreme Court. And it also, the article went on to say that, you know, the error rate was very low compared to past elections. And I mentioned this before in previous shows, that the error rate of these ballots, these mail-in ballots, were incredibly low compared to previous ones. All of that means the states, what they're alleging here, allowed for these minor errors to go through. And they don't want you to know that. So, again, that'll all come out in the Supreme Court. And by the way, if I didn't mention it, Wisconsin is day five into their recount of the two counties that they're counting. And now, on day four, there was an article posted. It didn't show much change or many changes to the vote count. There were a few. But day five, I haven't seen anything. So let's watch that. There are 800,000 ballots in question at day five. In Georgia, the recount starts today as I'm recording this, which is Tuesday. Now, here is an interesting piece in red state. And I mentioned this at the top of the show, that this information out of this piece is going to have implications for all of those people that says they're moving to Georgia to vote in our election. So here's the headline. The Trump campaign has a very real chance to overturn the election in Georgia. Uh, for anything to have an even remote chance of changing when it comes to the outcome of the Electoral College, the current status of Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Georgia must change. Absolutely right. As uh, those three st states must change. And there are six states that uh, Team Trump has identified. Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada. But let's talk about Georgia. The approach seems to be a normal election contest that will take place in Georgia state court. And the evidence may be coming into focus that gives the campaign a legitimate chance to reverse the outcome. The margin in Biden's win in Georgia is only 12,500 votes, and the Trump campaign has requested a machine recount, which they are entitled to under Georgia law, given the narrow margin. After that, I'm expecting the campaign will follow a petition to challenge the election, uh, as explained in detail in below. Now, what they go on to explain, which I find is fascinating. This, this is a game changer, potentially. And basically what they were saying in the piece that there was a huge increase in reg um, uh, registration, voter registration. And in a lot of these new 
voter registration, newly registered voters, if you will, is they didn't accurately apply for voter registration. They missed something out. And what it's saying here, here's a little blurb. With just a partial review of the state, we've also discovered a thousand votes cast by those registered in non-residential, purely commercial addresses, uh, also disguised with apartment, et cetera, meaning that uh, it may be a P.O. box and they were trying to put it as an apartment number. So what they're saying here is a lot of these newly registered people to vote in the state of Georgia did not register legally, meaning in the state of Georgia, it's very clear. If you look at the registration form in the state of Georgia, it has to be an actual residence. It can't be a business. It can't be a P.O. box. And what they're alleging is there are a lot of these that are businesses and some disguise in the P.O. box as apartment. So what the Trump team is going to do in this recount is they're going to challenge all of those ballots like that. And it may toss out. All they got to do is toss out 12,500. It's probably more. So here's where I say it's implications to those numbnuts that think they're going to move to Georgia and register and vote in our election. Well, there's a couple of things here is one is it can't be a P.O. box. It's, it can't be a business. It can't be a hotel. It's got to be an actual residence and they got to prove residency. So you prove residency by a driver's license. And I know that uh, I saw one blurb where you can vote in Georgia with an out-of-state license, but you've got to prove residency. You can't, it's just not willy-nilly. Now, if you wanted to change your driver's license here in the state of Georgia, uh, you, one, have to um, – um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to give them your out-of-state license. If you, have, you have to surrender. There's the word I'm looking for. You have to surrender your current out-of-state license. So you can't keep it. You have to surrender your current out-of-state license to get the new Georgia license that you'll get a temporary one. But here's the thing. Georgia is so backlogged because of COVID-19 that last time I had an issue with, and I think I may have mentioned this in a previous show, I had an issue with the registration of my vehicle and I, I had to, uh, or at least I thought I did, I had to go meet somebody at the DMV and you had to schedule an appointment and it was more than a month out. It was like six weeks out that I would, a, I would be able to even have an appointment. So I'm like, six weeks? I mean, my registration for my car is coming up. I need to do something. I realized I didn't need to have an appointment. But if I wanted to get a driver's license, if I wanted to go and you know, get a Georgia driver's license, I would have to schedule an appointment. And that was a few months ago. I'm sure it's going to be more backlog now. They only have until December 7th to register to vote. I believe it's December 7th for the January 5th runoff. So all these numbnuts that think they're going to move to the state of Georgia have no idea that they're going to have to register. They have to show proof of residency. Again, it goes back to this piece in Red State where it's talking about that the Trump campaign has a very real chance to overturn the election results in Georgia. If they could go in and look at all these ballots and they don't have proof of residency, all of them get tossed. That's a beautiful thing. I, I mean, this is this is a great strategy to pursue in the state of Georgia because here's how it happens. If you register to vote, it's very clear in the application what the process are. It's also, by the way, a felony, a felony to lie on that application. So uh, if all of these leftists want to come to my state of Georgia and lie on their application, that's a felony, and all eyes are going to be on these right now. Before, if you registered, it got you know caught up in the uh, bureaucratic shuffle. It doesn't get challenged until after the fact or until something like this type of election happens. And we got Lynn Wood running around Georgia, too. He's got filed affidavit after affidavit of uh, alleged voter fraud and shenanigans with the elections as well. But this, I think, is uh, an interesting twist to how the Trump campaign could overturn the election results 
in the state of Georgia. I'm going to be watching this one. This is going to be interesting. So, you know, you've got the left constantly telling you there's no election fraud. There's no election fraud. Oh, please. Uh, here, here you go. I mean, there's election fraud after election fraud after election fraud. We have seen so much. I just showed you the nine, um, uh, 12 um, election fraud that, uh, that just the news showed up. Then there were a couple of them. I'm looking for them right now, so I apologize for the, you know, trying to hunt for this. But there's, you saw stuff in other states, election fraud all over the place. So uh, but here's something, too, that uh, Lynn Wood, here, he's an attorney here in Atlanta, uh, he drops these late night tweets Would someone asked my never to be friend, Brad Raffensperger, uh, Georgia secretary of state, if he has seen this tape of election fraud at the state farm arena. And he goes on to show how people are bringing in ballots and it's just <clears throat> eye popping stuff. I mean, uh, you know, would include two images of a subpoena for Atlanta Hawks VP Scott Wilkinson from the U S district court with Georgia's Secretary of State Raffsmanberger uh, listed as defended. What's he saying is, if you know, if you remember the story in Georgia at State Farm Arena where they brought in people to to vote, uh, there was a major uh, water break, so they said on election night, that caused everything to stop. Well, it turns out it wasn't at all. Uh, it turns out that uh, there was a camera, and they have cameras throughout the state. Farm, State Farm Arena, and he has subpoenaed to see those cameras, and we'll see in those cameras that there really wasn't a major water break at State Farm Arena, and in fact, there was no work orders for the water break, and in fact, uh, there's a person who works for the Atlanta Hawks uh, saying that uh, it was highly exaggerated, it was a slow leak that caused about an hour and a half delay, but we were told they shut down votes in State Farm Arena because this is a major water leak, and it's just not true. So we got that. And then we got this something that Linwood is doing that I do not agree with. And if you're in the state of Georgia, I encourage you to not take his advice here. Uh, this out of Newsmax is pro-Trump attorney, uh, pro-Trump attorney urges Republicans not to vote in Georgia runoff elections. And what he's going on to say is because uh, Amy uh, Clawfer and uh, David Perdue have not participated in a or spoken out. Uh, a, I'm sorry, not Amy Clover. I got that feel wrong. Uh, Loeffler, uh, <clears throat> Senator Loeffler, uh, and David Perdue, who are in the runoff for the Republican ticket, uh, because they haven't come out and said or doing as he says. Why are they? Why are they doing little or nothing to support efforts in the Georgia citizens to address unlawful election and a need for Brian Kemp to order special sessions of legislature? He's asking them. He's asking Republican voters to not vote in the runoff because Loeffler and Purdue aren't speaking loudly enough. I don't like it. Kelly Loeffler is her name. Sorry, I struggled for that. I don't like that, and I don't agree with that because this is the firewall. The Senate is the firewall to the left having their way with our country, and we simply cannot have that happen. So if you're listening to this, <clears throat> I encourage you to vote for the Republicans in the January 5th runoff. Okay, a lot of news here. A lot of stuff I'm trying to cram in. So I apologize about the pace and speed of this. But here's a story from the Washington Examiner I think is important too. Rush Limbaugh criticizes Trump legal team for promising bombshells and failing to deliver. And he's absolutely right. 
uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of pushback from people. As I mentioned, we want to see the evidence. We want to see the evidence, what the Rudy Giuliani said in the press conference last week and what um, Sidney Powell said in her press conference and subsequent interviews about, you know, election fraud. At this point in time, I think it's important that the American people see something. 73 million of us are wondering what's going on. We don't want the left to be in charge. We don't want them to run amok in our elections. We want to know what's going on. And I think at this point in time, 20 days left uh, till the electoral college meets, we need to see something that keeps our resolve high. Again, that piece I read in the previous segment from David Horowitz, absolutely we are in a war and we need to keep our resolve high, but we need something. If we're going to hear these type of allegations, I agree with Rush Limbaugh, we need to see something and we need to see it quick. Sidney Powell has said that this week something's going to be filed, she said possibly by Wednesday or Friday. I would rather it be by Wednesday. Uh, Most people would. We want to see it because the left is having a field day. If anyone knows how the left thinks, it's Rush Limbaugh. He knows how they operate. He knows how deceptive they are. And he knows that they're going to gloat and they're going to be smug. He knows how they are. And we need to see something because they're mocking people on the left right now are trying to beat down people on the right through mockery and through intimidation. And if we had something of what they're doing or what they're going to do, what is this evidence? Give us a little bit. I mean, we could try to piece it together like I'm trying to do now, but unless we see something. But I also get the argument that it will be laid out in a court of law and you got to keep your powder dry. I get that. I get all of it. And I've had pushback from people on my social media that say, hey, you know, this will all be laid out in court. Yeah, I get that. But this is too big. This is too big. People need to keep their resolve high. And again, I agree with Rush in that we need to see something. We need to see it now. All right, let's take a different approach. Let's go into a different direction, I should say. Uh, Coronavirus. Am I corona? All right. There is so much nonsense with this going on right now with what state governors are doing. Uh, I'm going to run through this really quick and we'll end this segment of the show. You may have one of these governors if you do. Oh, man, I'm sorry for you. I really am. Pennsylvania governor halts alcohol sales day before Thanksgiving. Pennsylvania governor Tom Wolf announced Monday new COVID-19 security measures, security measures, that include halting alcohol sales the day before Thanksgiving. Wolf said bars and restaurants should stop selling alcohol starting at 5 p.m. Wednesday until 8 a.m. Thursday. He added Thanksgiving is the biggest day for drinking and hopes the mandate could help slow the spread of the virus. What? absolute nonsense. I mean, seriously. Uh, So what he's saying is all of his constituents are going to go out and get drunk and breathe on each other and uh, have droplets flying all over with the laughter and the drunkenness. Absolutely disgusting. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, no, a total disdain for the constituents. You, you, people in Pennsylvania, uh, you should be outraged at this. But there's more. There's more. Look at this one. Governor Brown says people should call police on COVID-19. But the next two weeks in Oregon and four weeks in Mullamoth County, new restrictions aimed at slowing the spread of the coronavirus are in place. Days before Thanksgiving, Oregon Governor Kate Brown said she believes residents who know their neighbors are violating the recent round of COVID-19 protocols, which include capping the number of people allowed in your home at six, should call the police. That's right. So it's right. She's saying if your neighbor has seven people in their house, you need to call the police because, well, 
because you're a Karen. You need to call the police. They're going to kill you. You're a racist, by the way. Did I mention that? I know we talked about that earlier, but if you don't call the police, I'm sure the left's going to say you're a racist for that too. Oh, but wait, there's more. Worst lockdown, worst COVID lockdown yet. Dem governor bans gatherings inside of home. <laughs> oh, Minnesota Democrat governor, and they're always Democrats. They're all Democrats. Has issued what is perhaps the most draconian coronavirus lockdown order in any area of the country since the coronavirus pandemic began in March. Governor Tim Waltz announced Wednesday a four-week ban on social gatherings that if it is being interpreted correctly, orders his state residents to refrain from entertaining guests inside their home. In a massive 23-page executive order issued a week before Thanksgiving, Waltz told Minnesotans they are essentially prohibited from interacting with one another in any form not exempted by the state. Even worse, the Democrat using the threat of 90 days in prison. That's right, 90 days in prison. So you have a guest over for Thanksgiving, you're going to jail for three months. Hey, I'm just saying what they're saying, right? And by the way, if I didn't say this too, if you do do that, uh, you're a racist and you killed all kinds of people through COVID-19. And of course, you know, Governor Cuomo back in November, what is it, early November, you know, he tells guests that Thanksgiving dinner is canceled. New York Governor Cuomo announced orders Wednesday slapping the 10-person cap on gatherings in private residence, including apartments and houses. That means that a lot of family plans for even small Thanksgiving dinners will have to be canceled or risk moving ahead in violation of state law. It's not fascism when we do it, is it? There's a video circulating on social media of this group of business owners who got together in a defunct gym, a defunct gym. I mean, it's not open, leftists. If you want to know what that means, it means it's not open for business, okay? It's not open. It's actually said it was a shuttered gym. That means, leftists, it's not open. Anyway, these 50 business owners got together to talk about this COVID lockdowns. What are they going to do about this? Someone called the health department. The health department showed up with three sheriff deputies. And kudos to those business owners. They would have none of it. And they said, get a warrant. Leave or get a warrant and force those police officers and that Karen from the health department to leave. They, you know, we have a right to assembly in this country. There are laws in this country. There are laws in the Constitution of the United States that protect us from this nonsense. It's time for us, as David Horowitz said, to stand up and fight back. You want to hear some more ridiculousness, though? You may have already heard in California, they're doing a curfew. So between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m., you're not supposed to be out and about. You can't leave your house. Oh, but wait, wait, there's an exception. Hollywood celebrities exempt from California lockdown orders. Governor Gavin Newsom ordered a statewide curfew for California to combat spiking coronavirus numbers on Thursday, but he left an exception for Hollywood. And the curfew began Saturday night and orders the, that citizens be off the streets from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. And it runs through December 21st. So I guess the virus, you know, it's like that song, The Freaks Come Out at Night. The virus comes out at night. Who knew? Why couldn't they have told us this before? But, you know, if you go out at night after 10 p.m. in California, I'm sure you're a racist. I mean, that just goes without saying. But, you know, the virus is lurking. So as you go down that, that, that dark street, there's going to be a virus there. You best be careful because that virus is coming for you. You best be home by 10 p.m. because at 10.01, the virus comes out. This is like a bad horror movie, isn't it? Well, it is California, and they're allowing the entertainment industry because they're exempt because, you know, they pay, I'm sure, Newsom a lot of money. But this is how crazy it is. Again, it's not fascism when we do it. So, uh, but there are, there are some exceptions. There are some states that have a 
solid head on their shoulder. They have logic. They, 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 they get it. Here are the nine state governors who have refused to issue stay-at-home orders. Uh, they are Arkansas, Iowa, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota. They have all resisted issuing any kind of stay-at-home orders, while Wyoming, Utah, Oklahoma, and South Carolina have only issued orders in parts of their states. So kudos to them. And by the way, they were all Republicans. Uh, the governors, all Republicans, had often defended their actions out of a belief in smaller government despite many calls from within their own states to do so. Actually, I saw a report that several city mayors in Florida are trying to force DeSantis to do more in lockdowns. And notice DeSantis, Florida, is not on this list. Georgia, not on this list. Texas, not on this list. We've seen them regress in these states. I went to Florida last week. And it was different than when I went to Florida uh, about a month ago. And it was, I mean, I was in Orlando. And I'm telling you, it's sad in Orlando. This is a tourism town. It, I mean, it, uh, the word bleak is the best I could describe it. Uh, here's one. Uh, that, this, I love Christy Noem. Uh, South Dakota Governor Christy Noem, for instance, told reporters earlier this week that the people themselves are primarily, primarily responsible for their own safety and that state and national constitutions prevent us from taking draconian measures, much like the Chinese government has done. She also added, South Dakota is not New York City. I love that governor. She is absolutely awesome. So, um, it's the holidays. Thanksgiving is Thursday. And this is what some of our governors are doing. I mean, it's crazy. I saw an article, I think I read it last week, where Mayor Lightfoot up in Chicago wants to cancel Thanksgiving, keep everybody locked up. It's Thanksgiving. This is not who we are as a nation. We are a free and prosperous nation. And I'll be damned if these governors are going to hold back the people of the United States. David Horowitz is absolutely right in his piece that I spoke on the previous podcast episode. He, and, and he is absolutely right. This is a war, and we need to fight back. Hey, thanks for listening to this segment of the PBL Podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor. Uh, you can find all my social media outlets or avenues on my website, the pblpodcast.com. I also put all the show notes on there. So all the articles I mentioned will be there and just links to them. So you don't have to search for them. They're all there for your ease. And please do read that piece from David Horowitz. Uh, it's just, I think, probably one of the most important pieces. And it's titled Fighting Words uh, from FrontPageMag.com. Calm. The author is David Horowitz, and I think it just sums up nicely how we need to continue this fight. And do, if you're listening to this on Apple iTunes, uh, please do subscribe and give us five-star ratings. Helps us in the algorithm, as well as on YouTube. So if you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe if you haven't already. If you haven't gone on our YouTube channel and subscribed, please go subscribe. You don't have to watch it. Just subscribing helps move us up in the algorithm. It is Politics and Brown Liquor, youtube.com slash politics and brown liquor. And again, it moves us up in the algorithm because life is not the matrix, is an algorithm. By the way, I got a coffee cup on uh, uh, my website that you can purchase in my show notes. The first link is to PBL merch. Who would not want PBL merch? Even you leftists must want PBL. By the way, if you don't buy PBL merch, that's right. That's right. You've killed all those people from the coronavirus and you are a racist. You do not want to be the cause of their death, nor do you want to be a racist. So you should buy BBL merch and you can find that in my show notes. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to this episode of the PBL podcast, Politics and Brown Liquor.